Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, people of all ages, we proudly bring to you at a studio 212 in the heart of Seattle, Washington, this is Physical Culture Radio. I'm Greg Jones, your dopest host with the most, Coach Greg Jones, Instagram and Facebook, along with my super dope host, Chris Edmonds. Chris, how are we doing today? It's a great day, man. It's Friday. Sun's out, 70 degrees. And I'm having, there you go. Already Sun's tra- out, guns out, baby. Flex <laughs> <Next> Friday. <laughs> you know I don't train in fucking tank tops. But yeah, if I did, <laughs> it would definitely be that way. <laughs> right, right. You know, um, so the topic for today, we're going to be talking about how to build a successful personal training business. Um, but to start off today's episode, uh, I want to talk about, and Chris also wants to talk about uh, joint care and supplements and taking care of your joints. I recently, uh, you know, as you guys know, talked about previously having surgery last year and recovering my right shoulder from rotator cuff surgery. And um, my right shoulder took about seven months to heal. It healed up. And then my left fucking shoulder started hurting me out of the blue. Same type symptoms, kind of bicep tendon, supraspinatus-ish area. Um, a lot of, you know, the, uh, abduction and some shoulder flexion, uh, has been bugging me and, and bugging my old good shoulder, my left shoulder and got to talking to Chris about it, about what I should do. And we referenced a few different people and Chris, why don't you go into, um, detail what you told me. I should do. And I think a lot of the listeners might benefit from this kind of a protocol too. If they have any, uh, joint nagging pain, you know, back stuff, knee stuff, uh, shoulder stuff. Of course. Yeah. So what, what I'm about to tell you and, and, and Greg, as I explained to you before we hit record, um, I, I'd always rather err on the side of too much than too little when it comes to joint care. So the exact opposite of what we would do with gear, right? Um, we want to do the opposite with joint care. So the there's a cool product called Joint by Granite Supplements that you guys see me post from time to time on Instagram. I would start that on an empty stomach first thing, fresh out of bed, um, followed by 20 ounces of water. From there, um, if you do coffee or hot tea in the morning, I would simply just add 10 grams of type 2 collagen. Um, I learned that from Dante Trudell. Um, he'll rant and rave about that. If you want to know where to get it, Amazon, super cheap. You can get two big things of it. It's unflavored, so when you add it to a warm beverage, um, it dissolves perfectly. You don't even notice it, that it's in there. Um, and then as I was telling him, so you do that first thing out of bed on an empty stomach, so that's like optimal digested. Then around lunchtime to dinner time, um, I'm going to get a packet of Animal Flex, which is just Animal Packs um, joint supplement. It's a handful of pills, mouthful of water down the hatch. I would be super right. diligent with that um, every single day. Now, what's going to happen is you guys are going to start taking it, and it's going to slowly improve your joints over time. You're not going to realize it. The moment you stop that protocol, you're going to be like, holy shit, that was working. So while you're in yeah. it, you won't notice it because it just slowly gets better. Um, but when you stop, that's when you'll notice a significant difference. Um, you know, there's, there's obviously a couple other things that we could do as far as peptides. And I'm a big believer that growth hormone is going to help with that as well. Just going to make your joints feel a lot better. Um, you can use things like CJC and a couple other peptides if you wanted to get really creative that way. But I would start there with those first three. Yeah. So 
uh, getting into building a successful personal training business. Now, this is kind of how uh, Chris and myself got started in the industry. You know, you 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 get into lifting weights, you join a gym, you see trainers, you see fitness managers, you see people living the lifestyle of helping and training and getting people in shape, and a lot of people uh, kind of have the question um, of hey, I'm passionate about this industry. How do I get involved? I've had a number of people come to me, um, personal trainers that work at my gym, uh, independently contract. I've also known a lot of people that go to bigger gyms and get certified in training. And I have my opinions about that as well. Um, what to get started, I think the first thing you need to do is look into a certification, right? Yes, sir. Um, so there are <clears throat> a couple top organizations. So the National Strength and Conditioning Association, the NSCA, um, NASM, uh, you've got a lot of different offshoots. You got ACSM, you've got um, ISSA. You've got, uh, what, what are some different ones that, that you know of off the top of your head? Um, uh-huh. I know Ace is another one that you didn't name. What, what, Ace, you know, right. I mean, At the end of the day, like what I want to tell people to do is you want to get one that's nationally accredited. Um, right. And, 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 you know, the first two you named are going to be my go-tos for anyone that asks me. So NSCA, right. NASM, those are going to be huge um, because the quality of your certification actually holds some significant weight when you're applying for jobs. Yeah. So, I mean, that, uh, another thing the, that, go ahead. yeah. And then another thing that I would um, steer clear of and kind of a path to go if you're looking to get in this industry, um, if you go to 24 hour, 24 hour fitness, uh, they make you get their own 24 hour CPT course. So they train you in house in their system. And then that's only recognized through them. So you do that with them. The problem with being in the big corporate style gyms, um, like, you know, a gold's gym or 24 hour fitness or LA fitness is a lot of these have sales people that sell the training memberships to new members. And then the trainers are completely separate. So the trainers only get 10 to 15. I think you could ramp up to like $18 an hour um, max. Whereas if you're an independent contractor and you work at a gym and have a deal with the owner um, and don't go through that big corporate entity, uh, you're going to get paid a little bit better. A lot of these people make 12 bucks an hour, 15 bucks an hour, and they're charging $70 to $90 an hour for the training in these packages, yet the trainers are getting a very minuscule amount of this, which is why I personally would not recommend doing the big corporate chain uh, training route. Uh, what's your experience with that? Okay, so that that's definitely something you need to consider. So when you're shopping around to where you're applying, you need to figure out their pay structure. Um, the goals I was fortunate enough to work at um, not only did the fitness manager sell training as part of his salary and part of his income as far as commission goes, but if you're a trainer, in my opinion, if you plan on doing this full-time and being successful at it, you want to be 100% commission-based. So what does that what right. does that mean? That means 
you aren't paid by the hour. If you're going to get paid by the hour, you're going to get screwed in the long run if you're a good trainer. Because one, as your knowledge base and as your clients and as your experience increases, I want to be able to increase my rate of what I charge per half hour, per 45 minutes, per hour, so that I can naturally increase my salary via the amount of time I spend with someone for a certain amount of money. Secondly, um, the goals I work for paid me commission on everything that I sold. So on top of getting paid per session, I got paid on how much training I would sell each month. And it was oh. a percentage of that. So if I sold above 10,000 in training, I would get 10%. If I sold above 15,000, I would get 12%. If I sold um, 20,000 or more, I would get 20% of that. So if you guys do the math on that, I was getting great commission checks solely on selling training. Not even if I had to, if I trained one singular person. So I would look, right. if you're going to work for a corporate gym, you want to be able to get a benefit from selling your own training. Um, now that means you yeah. also have to learn how to sell training, which is a huge fallacy that we'll talk about later in this, uh, podcast, because I meet so many trainers who are super knowledgeable. They are very outgoing. They're excellent trainers, but they don't sell their business. So they, they're, they're poor. They don't make any money. So, you know, right. I, I've also seen guys who are awful trainers, but they're great at selling training and they make a fuck ton of money. <laughs> so, <laughs> you know, it's all about you know, can you sell your business? Do you believe in it? But to get back to your original question, I want to look for jobs that don't tie me into a fixed income. So if you were only going to be able to make $10 a session, $20 a session, if you do the math on that, you'd have to work from the time the gym opens to the time the gym closes to make anywhere of, you know, respectable money in my opinion. Yeah. So you want to be able to have flexibility within how much you charge, how many sessions you can do per week, um, and then as you gain experience, you want to increase those rates. And in a perfect world, they would pay you off of a sales commission chart um, for how much training you sell individually each month. Right. I, um, you know, I got a couple of people at my gym right now that are want to get certified in our functional training cert. And um, I'm going to do that. And then they may independently contract out of my gym or independently contract out of another gym. Um, but you know, I, I think one of the bigger things to think about here is, you know, seek out a mentor, right? Yeah. So you have to do some kind of an internship, seek out somebody to work under. So if, if, and whatever that type of gym or whatever that style that you're into, if it's Brazilian Jiu Jitsu and you want to teach martial arts, learn that, join the gym, get good at BJJ. If it's CrossFit, then, you know, join, join a, a CF box and learn their method because a lot of people, I mean, let, let's face it, like people that teach CrossFit, learn CrossFit and are, and are passionate about it. People that, you know, are into bodybuilding and then want to teach bodybuilding, you know, stay in that niche. Um, and, and whatever you're into, figure out what you want to be into and then kind of, you know, put all your efforts in and towards that and seek out somebody that's good in, in that, you know, in that vertical, in that, in that little sector of the industry, uh, what you want to specialize in and, uh, work with them. And, um, whether that's an owner, whether it's a fitness manager, whether it's some kind of a program director, um, I, I think that's your first step is to learn and kind of figure out what you're passionate uh, about and, and where your passion lies. 
and you then know, learn I, everything you can. So, so piggybacking off of that, Greg, um, the biggest yep. problem any new trainer has is they don't have experience, right? Um, right. And, and nothing is worse to me than I get this cocky young kid that comes in there and they've been super successful in the gym and they think, oh, I'm going to be a good trainer because I got results. You know, I would get a lot of people that come across my desk for applications or interviews and face to face where you'd have, say, a female lose 120 pounds. And suddenly she thinks because she lost 120 pounds, she's able to train people because she got a, you know, a $20 online certification process that was open book. And she's like, all right, I'm ready to train people. And when I start questioning her about, you know, whether that be, you know, different types of people that she's going to come in contact with, doing simple things like calculating body fat percentage versus lean mass, like all those things that a normal trainer, in my opinion, should have the skills to do easily and readily, they can't do. So that's what I always tell people, like you need, if you have a mentor, you need to do an internship, you need to have hands-on experience in a gym before you go applying for these jobs because that experience is going to go a long freaking way because just because you've been able to be successful in the gym doesn't mean you're going to be successful teaching other people how to be successful. Yeah. And because you literally get those, yeah, you literally get those girls and guys that lose a bunch of weight and they're like, well, I've done, I did keto or I did intermittent (laughs) fasting and I lost all this weight. And I'm like, well, that's where your experience lies is doing one big ass diet of keto. And now you're going to promote yourself. (laughs) <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. You, 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 you know, you, you don't know jack shit yet. So, and you don't know how to work across demographics and populations and the different people that are going to come to you and want help from you. Um, and, uh, you know, I recently had three people hit me up for training. Um, one is a couple, uh, it, and, and this, this girl saw me at the gym, you know, kind of figured I had a good physique and came and talked to me and said, Hey, I'm interested in training. You obviously know what you're talking about and know what you're doing. Um, she knew I had a gym too. Cause you know, I'm kind of always rocking my gym sweatshirts and whatnot. And so she's like, Hey, I, I want to, you know, possibly get training for myself and my husband. And I got this friend in Florida. Turns out the guy is a 65 year old guy who wants to do masters nationals. Um, so I'm working with this guy and trying to scale and ramp him up online. And, and then those two, she's a former fitness model. He is a, um, rock climber and they want to foster parent some kids. So they're like, you got three different, you got a rock climber that wants to get a little bit bigger. You got a girl that used to do fitness modeling that just wants to, you know, get in good shape and look good. And then you got one guy that wants to do a bodybuilding show and, and a, you know, a high level national show that's a pro qualifier. Um, and he's a bodybuilder. So three completely different, uh, people, and I'm going to need to put three completely different individually tailored approaches to each one of these people because there's no cookie cutter thing that you can put. I can't just put, okay, guy, well, Hey, I'm going to get you ready for the show. Have you ever done intermittent fasting or keto? <laughs> <laughs> so, you obviously, you, you got to learn that. Yeah, yeah. I mean, what blows my mind about that is you, you go to any gym in, in, around the country and you're going to see a trainer leading 20 different types of people for the exact same workout. And, you know, right. I know there's there's facilities that market that and preach that and, and it works maybe for the majority, but I always personally refuse to do that with any of my clients. Every singular person is a different person. They have different goals, they have different ability levels, and they need different coaching, in my opinion. So 
I always yeah. joked people that if you lined up all my clients in a typical day, um, none of them would, you would be like, why in the hell are these people in a room? Because if you look at my clients now, they're mostly bodybuilders, physique, figure, that kind of stuff. But when I was in the training world, you would, I would have a prenatal lady at 6 a.m. I would have a football player at 10. I'd have a stay-at-home mom at 11. At lunch, I'd take my break. Um, at 1, I might have an elderly person. And then from 3 to 6, it'd be a grab bag of all of the above. Um, you know, it's it's the ability to be versatile. And, you know, that's one of those things that I would try to encourage new trainers to, when they seek knowledge, don't just typecast your ability to one because you're going to lose out a lot of, a lot of potential income and something I refused yeah. to do unless it was way outside of my scope was turn people away or send them to other trainers because I didn't have that knowledge base and the only way to acquire knowledge is to do and to learn so if I had to study under someone or if I had to spend extra time reading and researching that's what I would do um so yeah. You know, that that's the biggest thing is that as you progress in this training world, if you continue to build your knowledge base so that you can work with a division one wrestler and then you could work with a, you know, a bikini athlete and then you could work with um, a stay at home mom all in the course of three hours, that's going to go a long ways for how many people you can actually market and recruit for. Yeah. And one of the things that the National Strength and Conditioning Association does when you study their CPT um, or CSCS, if you have a four-year degree um, training certifications, is you get all their uh, resources. You get like workbooks and hardback books, and then you pick a date six months out. You got to read this whole big-ass 500-page book, and you, you work in the workbook, and you take study tests. And you learn how to train athletes through that system. You learn what the protocols are. You learn how to do cluster training. You learn how to do periodized training protocols, microcycles, mesocycles, um, the different times of the year, off season, in season. And you really, it, it really teaches you a granular approach to being able to work with athletes, which then, you know, you can learn how to train other populations down from there. You're not going to train an athlete the same as you are a stay-at-home mom, but there's some elements and in in some crossover principles that you're going to learn and you're going to be able to apply with that. And um, another thing that you have to get, you want to get CPR certified. You can get AED certified if your facility has um, a AED device. The, the caveat with the AED device is if you have that at your facility, um, you're obligated to use it if somebody falls over. And yeah, you, it's, it's something that um, you, you, you have to learn if you have or you're around. Have you had to use um, one? I have not. And I've, um, I saw one, I saw a guy, I've, I've seen, you know, a few people die over the years, but one that was really scary uh, was a guy who came running off the basketball court at LA fitness. This was about six years ago, seven years ago, maybe. And I was up on the treadmill running and I saw this guy run off the court, had a massive heart attack. There was a nurse, um, that was working out down in the area and somebody else that was like an EMT person. So immediately this guy, they started administering CPR to this guy after calling nine one one. Um, and I watched this from up above 
And then later on that week, you know, they took him to the hospital and he was pronounced dead. The guy didn't make it. Um, but I, I, I've seen, I've seen it happen a bunch of times. I've never had to do it, uh, myself. I, I, I get recertified every couple of years in CPR and I know infant CPR as well, but I, I haven't personally had to do that. Knock on wood. Um, thank goodness. How about yourself? Yeah, I have. Um, Luckily, uh, the facility I worked at for years had multiple AEDs and all of our staff from the front desk staff to the sales managers to uh, all my trainers and myself had to have that done. And we actually practiced regularly, which is good. Um, The last time I had to use an AED and perform CPR, sadly, the guy, um, he did pass away. Um, But, you know, if you guys ever experience that out there, the biggest thing I can always tell people and always would try to relate to my team is stay calm. Remember your steps. Um, you know, you can't hurt the person you're performing CPR on. If you break all their ribs, right. then you break them all. At least they live. Um, so, right. Right. you know, that's the that's the biggest takeaways. Um, the cool thing about the AEDs now is they're, they talk you through it. Um, I really believe my 14-year-old yeah. could do it if he just paid attention and listened and wouldn't let its nerves get to him. So, you know... I always would tell people, get CPR, get AED certified, because that way, I mean, it's cheap, it's not expensive. Your local Red Cross, you can have that done in a matter of five to six hours, and it's 40 bucks, and it's just a good thing to have. And now I think even NSCA requires that you have that before you even take the test for uh, personal training. Yeah. Yep. So. Yep. All right, the yeah. next thing I think we can really so, talk about is, is, is applying for jobs. Um, you know, we touched on that a little yeah. bit, um, but, you know, you want to be very aware of what kind of gym you're applying to, you know, go sample it, go look at it, um, see if it's something where you could see yourself working. Um, if you would fit in, look at what the other trainers are doing there, how many clients they, they're with, what their training styles are, because to me, that's going to be something that is going to drastically impact your income. Um, you know, if you have, if, if your goal is to be a bodybuilding trainer and you go into a gym and you have, you know, two national level super heavyweights and they all have quality physiques, you think you're going to get a lot of money that way? Probably not. (laughs) (laughs) Um, you know, in addition, when, you know, when you do apply and you get an interview and you meet the fitness manager, see if you drive with them, see if your personality is link or if they can help build you and make you better you know if it's right some of these facilities especially at the corporate level um i see them hiring some people who are very underqualified and if you go there and you're expecting to learn and grow from that person and you have more knowledge than them that might not be the best situation for you um so i always try to tell people you know do research on the gym get a feel for what their clients how many clients and how many members they have and then how many trainers they have and how busy that training staff is because that honestly is going to make or break if you want to do it for full time if you're just doing part time and you want to pick up you know a couple extra hundred dollars a week then that's a totally different game but i think what we're speaking to here is people who want to work this job full time so that those are the things i would look for when applying for a job how about you I, I think, you know, getting into a gym and I, I feel like business is everything about business is about relationships and creating relationships. So if you get in a gym and, you know, you, uh, you know, you're, you're going to have a lot of different personalities to begin with in gyms. So you have to blend with these personalities. Uh, you, you have to be moldable in a certain sense and really have an open mind towards getting to know these people because there's a lot of trainers and a lot of people in the industry that are very quirky. They have some interesting qualities to them. Um, a lot of good people 
and a lot of ego and uh, a lot of narcissism, narcissistic people. So you got to have to sift and wade your way through um, these different personalities and these different kinds of people and be very moldable yourself and create these relationships. Then another big factor that um, we need to talk about is um, how you're going to market yourself. Yeah. Uh, so you, you get into a gym and you get a fitness manager and he's like, okay, yeah, uh, I'll, you know, I'll start throwing you some people to do some orientations with. So you do your free orientations with sometimes you get paid. If you're an independent contractor in a gym, sometimes you might not get paid to do this because you're running your own business. Right. But if you work in a gym, you could get paid, you know, 10 to $15 an hour to do this. You do an orientation, you try to sign the person up on a personal training deal. You may go through five or six of these before you land one and be prepared to, to have to work your ass off to land clients because this builds over time. It's just like real estate. It's like anything else. Like they don't just fall into your lap. No. You're, you're, and a clientele is built over years. These successful trainers that you see training people all day, this shit takes, I mean, it, it, some of these guys have been doing this stuff five, 10 years, maybe you know, longer. You know, and you, it doesn't, yeah, go ahead. You know, that's one of those things, man. I think that when people get certified, there's this illusion that, okay, I'm a new trainer. I'm great. Everyone's going to come in and just start swiping credit cards for me. And that right. could not be further from the truth. <laughs> yeah, um, absolutely. You have to push your service. You have to, have to. And what I would always stress to people is you would get uh, other trainers when I just was a trainer. They'd be like, how in the hell do you get so busy? And I'm like, you don't see the hours that I spent in this facility walking around, talking to people, re-racking weights, um, offering to lead people through a workout. Like I just randomly go up to it. If I, if I had a client cancel, I'd go up to a guy on a hammer strength machine and be like, what's up, man? And he'd just get to talking to him. I'd be racking weights around him. And he's like, I'm like, oh, what are you doing today? He's like, I'm hitting chest. And I'm like, you mean finish leading you through that workout? And he's like, sure. So I would train him for the rest of his chest workout to my next client. And then that's building a relationship. That person may or may not sign up with me in the future, but he at least knows well, like, holy, I've, go ahead. I, I know I wouldn't because you'd beat the shit out of me. I already know that. You, <laughs> these poor bastards that would that would <laughs> say okay to you taking them through a workout. I know all the intensity <laughs> techniques would come right. out. Yeah, you, yeah. So I'll, I'll give you a fun, guys a funny story. I had a rule that any any guy I led through an orientation that if um, they want to do a chest workout with me, that if you could do ten full push ups at the end of our chest session. That I would give you, <laughs> I'd give you twelve free weeks of training, and I can tell you I did that for ten fucking years, and no one, no one could do ten push-ups after we finished the last set. Um, that's a really, fun. yeah. Oh man, I would fucking murder people. I um, I would like to take that challenge when I okay. see you sometime. Yeah, and please. See if you can ruin me, it's yeah. awful. I, I I I I bet you I could do it. Either that or I'll. You know, tear something trying. <laughs> <laughs> right. So, you know, getting, getting back to what we we're talking about, like you have to push your service. You know, I would, if I had some downtime on a day, if I had a bunch of cancels or if I had, you know, if it was like a snow day or rainy or let's just say I wasn't busy that day, um, I'd set up a whiteboard and I'd hang some like bands on it or whatever I was into at the time and say, hey, here's what we're going to do today. And I put on almost like a mini workshop and just market my service all freaking day long. Um, and yeah. the way, in my opinion, I know I was at least successful was, is it, it was a treadmill rule. And the owner of our gym always said, Chris, you know why you're successful? And I said, no. And he's like, you're like that treadmill. You're always here. Um, and you know, people in the gym believe in that, you know, 
they, they've heard the stereotype of the trainer who doesn't show up, who's late, never on time, you know, never has clients. Like I refuse to be that person. So I always just lived yeah. in the gym. So I was always willing to help someone. I was always willing to show somebody something, you know, and you know, if you guys know the mountain dog training style, it's, it's a little different and a little out there. So I get people that ask me questions all the time and I'd say, they say, Hey, I saw you doing chain barbell bench press the other day. What's that about? I'm like, Hey, you want to come in for a session and we'll give it a shot. And they're like, okay, sure. And that conversation just leads. So what I always try to think about is that guy who wants to try the chains for bench press or squats or deadlifts, they may not buy training, but their son might need it. Their mom or their wife might need it. A coworker might be like, right. man, I'm really looking for a trainer. Yep. Do you know anybody? And like, man, there's this kid at the gym who who's really good and really knowledgeable. And he loves to help people. Like it's all about word of mouth. Um, you know, social right. media is good for that. But to me, I would rather... And now listen, if you guys go to any gym, you see the, the trainers who hang out at the front desk and flirt with the girls at the front desk, right? And they're just bullshitting on their yeah. phone. I refuse to be that dude. Like, if I was going to be there and be in, a, in my working in a form, like, I was going to be helping someone or I was going to be marketing my next business move within the facility. Like, because I view it, it's like work, you know? And even though I may not get paid in that very minute, I'm going to be doing something that people respect and value and is good for them. So... That's what right. I always try to tell trainers. Like, don't get discouraged if you have a light day or don't get discouraged if you have a bunch of cancels because in this business, that's inevitable um, or any service industry for that matter. Um, but you have to be active. It's all about what you do in your downtime because if you're doing your job and training people's balls off while you're with clients, that's also going to be another marketing tool for you, in my opinion, because listen, people in the gym watch. They know. They see your client's progress before and after. I have people that had never even trained with me a day in my life, but they're like, man, your clients really get results. That's really cool like that you work with this many different people and everyone gets results or you know, this person gets them. So that's always be leery that when you're in a gym scenario and you're training people, everyone else is typically watching. Even if they're going to say they're not, they do. Um, so yeah, I mean, yeah. don't you agree with that? Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. Eyes and ears are on you and yeah. they're watching and referrals and word of mouth are the biggest things in small gyms yep. and personal training businesses anyway. So absolutely. You did. When you get a client, you talk to them and you get them to refer you other clients rather than cold calling and getting people out of the blue. They're your biggest network. Your yep. existing clients are your, are your biggest network. So offer free training, offer yep. a free package, Offer a discounted package, get your name out there, get started, and then build from there. You know, get on social media, get yourself a little, you know, promotion going on there. You know, if you can get clever with it, click the link, learn more, get the offer, learn how to set those things up on Facebook and Instagram, and then practice what you preach and, yeah. and, and live what you learn um, and be all in. You can't, you can't do this half-ass. If you're going to go in... You have to embrace the lifestyle. Yeah, so, I mean, you know, you, you yeah. said something that's huge there, right? You know, listen, I'm not saying that you have to be the pinnacle of fitness to be a successful trainer because we all know that's not true. There's people out there who right. aren't really in incredible shape, but yet they train a lot of people and they're good at it. Um, but, I, you know, in my opinion, at least, the your, the book is always judged by the cover first, right? When you walk up to meet right. a trainer for the first time and shake their hand, not only is the trainer assessing the client or potential client, the client's assessing you and what you look like. So, you know, I always think like 
you know, if, if, if you want to train runners, you need to look like one. If you want to train bodybuilders, you need to look like one. Um, you know, I, yeah. I don't care how much knowledge you have as a strength coach. If your neck, I can get my hands around it. I'm not signing my son up for training with that person. I'm just not doing it. <laughs> like you better have a fucking thick neck. If you're going to coach my son on wrestling or football, right? It's just my, yeah, that's my maybe old school mentality. Um, but you know, I always laugh. We, we, the company I worked for, um, we were looking to buy a new gym and and it was a sports facility uh, warehouse. And we walk in and the head strength coach there was a dude, a dude with a fucking pencil neck. And I looked at my uh, owner and I said, this dude does not know what he's doing because if he did, he'd apply it to himself. And <laughs> yeah. he kind of just chuckled and said, Chris and dumb meathead again. Right. But I'm like, no, it's the truth. Like you at least have to look like, you know what you're talking about. You know, if you're sitting down sucking yeah. down milkshakes and telling people to run on the treadmill faster, I'm just not into that. Um, right. And that's not what I wanted my right. staff to look like uh, yeah. when, I, when, I, when I manage the facility. So, you know, speaking about living it and breathing it and, you know, people in that facility want to see you working out. They want to see what you do and how you achieve results. And even though it may not align with what their goals are, you know, they respect that. And that's something that they do notice. Because um, as you said, all eyes are always on you. People know who the trainers are. They might not ever get it from you, but they do. And, you know, that's one of those things. So, yeah. Right. Right. You want to talk about developing a niche? Yeah. I mean, that kind of goes back to kind of what I explained earlier. And, you know, if, if, if you want to get into the physique, um, part of things, physique, figure, bikini, classic physique, bodybuilding, um, and you're doing that and you're passionate about that, then that's your niche. Stick with it. Learn, Learn how people eat, learn how people train, learn the mentality, learn how to coach people and motivate people. And, but if, you know, if you're into, so I own a couple of Brazilian Jiu Jitsu gyms and I have some black belt, you know, Brazilian and then one American uh, Brazilian Jiu Jitsu instructors. These guys live, eat, and breathe Jiu Jitsu. It's all they want to do. They want to train five to six days a week. They may take one day off. They may go in on their off day and go just do open mat and train with everybody. Um, they work out some extra on the side, you know, some of them hit weights and, you know, do calisthenics and whatnot, but they, they, this is what they're, it's a freaking lifestyle to them. It is a, a passionate lifestyle. So whatever you're kind of into, I would say develop that. Or if you think you like, if you're a, a gal and you identify with training females and then you want to concentrate on figure and bikini and fitness and physique and not deal with guys and you know male bodybuilders and because it's a, it's too of too too much of a different you know uh specific thing for you and you're not and you don't relate to them then then build that niche for yourself don't don't you know stay stay in your lane right so, so let me, let me know, share this with you, Greg. When so at one point, um, I had anywhere between ten and fifteen trainers on my staff, right? And I'm going to speak about three very different types of trainers that I had. Um, one, his guy, the guy was named Steve, great dude, right? He was middle aged. Um, he wore a fanny pack. He used to be the king at the Knights of a Round Table at like Myrtle Beach, right? So he had a huge personality. His niche was training elderly people. 
and he would stretch them out. And wow. He was, he was so good, dude. Like, he was busy from the time he got to work to the time he left. Like, he actually had to turn people down because that's the niche that he owned. And, you know, right. if you saw him on the street, you wouldn't probably even know he was a trainer um, because he was into tennis. And, you know, he just didn't look, like, super athletic. But he was so good because he was super personable. And he would talk to literally everyone. And he was just a nice guy. So that's one. I had another lady who was an ex-physical therapist who she literally just dealt with anyone that had an injury. So if we got someone in the facility that had an injury, boom, she was gonna, that person was going right to her. So she took all right. the re- rehab patient or, or post-rehab patients, and she was stacked. And then another lady that I had that worked for me, huge women's bodybuilder, but she loved training extremely overweight females. So, you know, if you looked at her appearance, you would think, oh man, that person probably just trains, you know, physique athletes. No, she actually loved training and that's what her passion was, was helping people who are extremely overweight, get into good shape and get healthy. And, you know, on the, on the outside, you may not know that, but you know, as you spoke about with the Brazilian jiu-jitsu guys, whatever you're passionate about, that's going to be contagious to your clients and going to help you sell yep. and really encourage people to get results. So, you know, whatever that may be, um, for me, I always, I, I didn't really care what your goal was as long as you attacked it a hundred percent. So those are the people I work the best with people who were willing to, whatever their goal was, just attack it. And they're willing to do whatever I say for them to do. And that's who I help yeah. the most. The people who were like half in, I knew really quick we weren't going to work well together. Um, yeah. And that's because they aren't willing to do the hard stuff. And I think as you guys know me, that's who I relate to. <laughs> and it doesn't matter yeah. if you're a 100-pound overweight female. If you can get on that Stairmaster and run into level seven till you feel like you're going to throw up and you look at me and say, hey, Chris, what's next? You and I are going to get along really, really well. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. But you know, the last thing I think I want to wrap this up with here, Greg, is uh, if I'm being honest with you guys, and I think you would 100% agree with me here, is to be a successful trainer uh, in your own gym, in someone else's gym, on you know if you do it out of your house or in their home, is you have to work your balls off. Um, th- you have to never say no. There's going to be people who ask you for outrageous things and hours, right? I've been at the gym as early as 4 o'clock in the morning, and I've been there as late as till it's closed at 11. Um, it, you're going to work a ton of hours if you want to make good money. You have to build relationships in the community, in your gym. You have to have your business cards freaking everywhere. Um, You just have to have a go-getter mentality because if you just sit back with your fingers crossed that people are going to come in and sign up with you, you're not going to be successful. You're going to have to be extremely outgoing. Um, That was the hardest thing for me at the beginning uh, when they hired me on as a trainer at the gym is the fitness manager looked at me and said, Chris, you can no longer be an introvert. And I said, yes, sir. And from that day forward, when I put my red shirt on to work as a trainer at Gold's, I was outgoing as hell. And then when my shirt came off, I was back to being my normal self where I'd put a hood on and not talk to anybody. Um, <laughs> but <laughs> but you have to have that ability or you won't make money, right? Um, because yeah. no one knows how good you are unless you talk to people and say, hello, Greg, how are you? I'm Chris. You mean lead you to a workout today? Or what are you training? I can help you. Like, how's your nutrition going, man? You have to yeah. you have to strike conversation with people. And if you don't do that, yep. if you're just going to walk with your hands crossed with a scowl on your face to the bathroom and back, no one's going to talk to you. You're not approachable and you're not going to make a lot of money. And that's really, right. really hard for people to understand. And I'm going to leave you guys with yeah. a cool story that was passed on to me by the owner who I worked for is I was super successful early in my career um, with them of selling training. And it's because, like I just said to you guys, I didn't say no to people. Um, I've trained all the freaking time. And he said, I want to take you to one of our least productive sales gyms. And I want you to kind of observe it and just tell me what you see. 
And we walked in and um, there is a, he took me to the business card section. He said, I want to show you guys something that is extremely telling and transparent. And he got out the business cards and we counted them individually of all the trainers, how many they had. And he looked in the system to see when he had ordered them last. And long story short, he hadn't bought business cards for any trainer at that gym in the last two years. And they were almost full. So he called a mandatory staff meeting eight o'clock at night and they all showed up and he looked around the room and, and there was a group about 10 and he said, all right, guys, who's been handing their business cards out to local businesses, to their clients, you know, drop them off at places. Have you been giving them to people in the gym? And they're like, yeah, 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 yeah. And he pulled out all the business cards and he threw them all across the gym, right? There was business cards fucking everywhere. <laughs> and he said, you guys yeah. listen here. He said, no one's been handing them out because I know when I bought them last, I, Chris and I counted them. No one's handed out more than 20 in the last two years. And he said, I got a little piece of advice for you guys. I want you to take these business cards. I want to give them, you to give them to all your fat fucking clients and tell them to give them to all their fat fucking friends. And you're going to start selling training, damn it. And he looked at me and he goes, <laughs> come on, bro, let's go. And he goes, all these business cards better be picked up, organized, and begin to get handed out tomorrow morning at 8 a.m. And... <laughs> And it yeah. blew my it blew my mind, and that's the he, Steve, the Steve Jobs approach. Yeah, yeah. Flip out, flip. I had a, I had an old boss that used to flip out on everybody like that too. It's funny. It gets yeah. it gets people working. Oh God, yeah. He was a marine. He's like, listen, if you guys don't start doing this, nobody's gonna have jobs. Nobody's gonna make money. And we're not gonna have this facility anymore. And yes, that was extreme. And you know, that's kind of the little peek into the behind the scenes of what it's like to work for owners who demand greatness. Um, yeah. because that's not remotely socially acceptable to say out loud. Right. Um, which is why him yeah. and I probably got along really well, but at the end of the day, man, you know, as I'm sure you realize with the gyms that you own and run, if you don't work and you aren't willing to work and put in hard hours, you're never going to be successful. Would you agree? Absolutely. 100%. Yeah. Yep. Okay guys for Chris Edmonds, I am Greg Jones. Thanks a lot for listening to another episode of physical culture radio. Tune in next time.